I don't know how it feels for you, but it feels to me like the world is uh, spinning off its axis a little bit. In today's podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about ways to stay grounded and calm in the midst of a lot, a lot of quickly changing information that has big implications, but about which we have very little control. Welcome to the Zen Founder Podcast. This is a place where we have conversations about mental health and entrepreneurship. We have a pretty broad conceptualization of what mental health means, sometimes depression, anxiety, sometimes relationships or physical health. The goal here is to bring some calm into the crazy roller coaster of ups and downs that is life for many entrepreneurs. I'm your host, I'm Dr. Sherry Walling. I'm a clinical psychologist and an entrepreneur, married to an entrepreneur, live in the world of entrepreneurs, and I'm so pleased that you have joined us for this conversation. But before we talk about the psychological implications of being in a world that's spinning out of control, I um, took a moment to talk with my favorite amateur astrophysicist about the power and pull of motion in space and the possibility of existing in relative stability in the midst of so much motion. So this is my son, Finn. I start by asking him, how powerful is the pull of gravity? Well, that that really varies. On Earth, the acceleration of gravity is 9.8 meters per second, meaning that if you were falling from a great height, Every second, you would go 9.8 meters faster. The pull of gravity is so powerful. Are there any places in space where it's not so overwhelmingly powerful? Yes. Again, powerful is really relative. But possibly where gravity is the weakest is in the middle of space where, like, near no astronomical bodies. So you're not pulled toward those bodies, you're just free floating. And there the gravity can be almost nothing. Like just the barest hints of background gravity pull from the nearest objects. There's so much motion in space. Are there places in outer space where something can be still? I mean, again, there's a lot of relativity involved here. Uh, Still can mean many things like we're standing still right now. We're not moving, but the Earth is hurtling. It's spinning and orbiting the sun at thousands of miles per hour. And we're, that is not really qualified as still, but then again, we don't feel the motion. So I've heard about something called Lagrange points, which are, in my understanding, some stillness out in space. What's a Lagrange point? A Lagrange point is a point in space where a thing can have a stable place. So kind of still, except that stable place is dependent on astronomical bodies around it. And so it moves with those bodies. What makes a Lagrange point? Lagrange points are five points between two astronomical bodies. So let's just take the Earth and the Sun, for example, but it can be done with any except the placement and distance from each of the bodies varies. The Lagrange point is points between those two objects 
where gravity intersects in such a way that the point will stay in that place relative to those objects. For example, the Lagrange point number one, like the most common one and the easiest to understand is in between the middle of the two bodies. I like to imagine it as the earth and the sun are attached by a string. And as that's swinging around, there's a point on that string where you could put something and not have it slide either way. Yes, the balance point. There's also some weird ones, like there's there's one like behind the sun on the opposite side from earth, and there's one behind the earth on the opposite side from the sun, and those are controlled by a centrifugal force as they're, they're hurtling at breakneck speeds. And then there are the ones that are mind-bendingly hard to understand, which are kind of off to the side. There are a lot of diagrams online, and these it's helpful to look at those because I found it hard to understand without diagrams. These are Lagrange points four and five. They are the most stable. Another one of the things is that it's not always in the same place for two bodies. Like, back to Lagrange point one, right in the middle... If you have two planets, two bodies that are about the same size, it's going to be right in the middle because the pole is equal on but both sides. sides. Right. Yes. So since the Earth's pole is a lot weaker, it needs to be like really close to Earth to be equally affected by both. A Lagrange point is more of a theory thing, like someplace where there is nothing. We could put satellites there and have them be stable, but having like a star there or something or a whole planet would screw up the work. Physics is weird, and it really, really helps to look up a diagram or a YouTube video. I, com I could not understand it at all until I did that. Yeah, okay, I'll be honest. Finn's knowledge of physics, uh, astrophysics, science in general, far exceeds my own at this point. He is um, 13 and really has a mind for the details of science, in a way that uh, I don't, but I find it strangely comforting to talk to him about anything really, but, but especially Lagrange points, because the, it's this like really bizarre idea to me that in a solar system that is sort of operating under these really powerful forces of centrifugal force and movement, that there are these points of stability and I think the psychologist in me wants to make some grand analogy about how we find our own personal Lagrange point, our own personal spot of relative stability, given all of the forces and all of the movement and all of the bodies that are flying around us at this point in history. Um, and I don't know if your week has been like my week, but it's been a week fueled by anxiety where big decisions are being made, you know, in our house, the decision to hold microconf or not hold microconf, the decision to go on certain trips, the concern for care of my, um, my mother and, you know, some health needs that may become relevant for her. And I think not, not to mention the NBA and the European travel ban and I, you know, the world can go on and on. But when we think about how to find relative internal stability or groundedness in the midst of so much chaos. There is quite a lot that we can do to help find an internal equilibrium. 
And it's, I think Lagrange points are interesting because they exist in a relative distance to other things. So I think that's my first point when we're thinking about psychological stability in a chaotic time, we want to think about our relative, our individual relative distance from these forces around us. So having some distance is helpful. Having some times in your day where your notifications are off, where you're not receiving news every notification, every minute about every new twist and turn in this story of COVID-19. But there's some spaces in your day, maybe it's dinner with your family, or maybe it's a meditation period in the morning or a yoga class or that long distance run. You can still be informed and in touch, but also have moments of distance, moments where you turn off the information and just let yourself be internal and in your own world and in your own life for a short period of time. So distance also gives us a sense of containment, that we have some ability to turn the dial up or turn the dial down on our level of exposure to information. We all, I think, at this point have a basic understanding that the coronavirus is probably more dangerous than most of us originally expected, that it's spreading quickly, that we need to wash our hands and in some cases stay at home for a while. And really, for right now in this moment, that's kind of all we need to know. So the 24-hour news cycle is not doing us a lot of favors, and it's okay to practice some containment to understand the news as a source of anxiety that is its own contagion. As we've seen in the markets and in the general world right now, anxiety is highly contagious. It is one of our most contagious emotional experiences. And so when we practice some distancing, we are also controlling the amount of anxious contagion that we expose ourselves to, our children to, our teams to. So really allowing spaces where we exist in our microcosm, not our big macrocosm. And we think about being in our home with our dog and the relative safety of that small space. This helps to cultivate a level of internal calm. I have been on the receiving end of more like social rudeness and kind of bad grown-up behavior this week than in the last five years combined. And I think the reality is that people are so keyed up. When we are living in a low-grade anxiety about which we have very little control, everyone's bodies are running at a level of physiological arousal that makes irritability, anger, unwise choices, impulsivity a lot easier. So the more that we can attune to our own bodies and our own physiological calm, which of course means slow, deep breaths. It means thinking about letting our heart rate slow down, it means moving slowly. It means releasing muscle tension. It means doing things that help to override the uh, spike in anxious arousal that many of us feel just in our bodies during this time. So if you have a meditation practice, this is a great time to double up. If you have a yoga practice, this is a great time to double up. If you know how to take low, slow, deep breaths, this is a great time to a couple times a day just lay on the floor and breathe deeply because that is the best way that we can 
hack the system and signal to our vagus nerve that all is well. Slow, deep breaths are our most powerful tool to turn down or turn off the emergency response system that lives inside of all of us. So physiological calm, practicing some containment, some space away from um, anxiety-provoking information and news. Another um, strategy, they all seem to start with C. So we've got containment and calm. Now I'm going to throw at you clarity, which is to think through the decisions that you need to make, maybe regarding family travel, regarding places that you may visit, events you may attend. Set aside some time in your calendar, think it through, evaluate the relative risk for you based on the information that you know, and make a decision for yourself. You might be wrong, you might lean more conservative or not careful enough. But once you give yourself the time and space to think through, hey, are we going to go on that family vacation in Europe in June? You might not know right now. So maybe the decision is to wait and say, I will make that decision on May 15th. Maybe you feel like you can make a clear decision now, in which case making the decision, putting the decision into play or deciding specifically to wait on the decision, that kind of clarity allows the mind a break from the constantly spinning wheels of what if, should I, what about. When our brains are constantly cycling, we are really in kind of an anxiety tornado that can spin round and round and round and get bigger. So the more that we can create calm spaces to think through decisions give ourselves the benefit of the doubt that we're doing the best we can with the information available and then make decisions accordingly. That clarity is pretty calming. It's pretty helpful. The challenge of a pandemic like this is that there's very little that we as individuals can do to control the outcome. We can take steps to protect our own health, to protect our family's health, and we can participate in the larger global human response, which, you know, may mean staying home or being more careful, social distancing, those kinds of things. So we're participating in the community response. But we do have fairly limited control at this point as individuals about how this virus spreads and where and how many people are affected. And that for most of us, especially as entrepreneurs who have elected to have control of the vast majority of our lives, that sense of being out of control can be particularly difficult. So this is a time when, oddly, it can be nice to exercise control where you can. So maybe you have a task at work or a little coding project or some copy to write, something that maybe you've been putting off, but something that can be nicely accomplished in a four-hour block. So beginning to end, four hours to completion, that is an excellent task to be doing this week or next week because all of us are seeking a little bit more control over the outcome of our lives. And maybe we can't get it in the big ways. We can't get it in the, you know, pandemic virus ways, but we can get it in the small ways. This is a great weekend to sit down and do a puzzle with your kids. Spend a couple hours doing a puzzle, turn some music on, 
experience with them the benefit of starting something and finishing it in one setting because, man, that's a nice little dopamine rush to our brains that are seeking some sense of control and completion. It's not wrong. You don't have control issues just because you're unsettled with how kind of crazy it all is right now. So give yourself a little nudge of control. Give yourself a little nod, a little sense of being able to effectively manage the tasks that are in front of you. I think the the last C that I want to talk about, we've talked about containment, calm, clarity, and control. The last one is a good old-fashioned Freudian word, which is catharsis, the sense in which there's a lot of pent-up emotion floating around in the world right now, and it's okay to find some spaces to just get some of that out. So I'm a big fan of the big family dance party, turn the music up super loud, or maybe just lay on your floor and listen to Metallica for a while. Something that helps you have the sense of moving through those big feelings. It's a great time to go for a long distance run, to take a, a kickboxing class, maybe where you can practice social distancing by kicking a bag, something where you want to try to let your body feel some physical exhaustion or some emotional exhaustion so that you're not just holding the heaviness of all of the feelings that are happening around you. So this is catharsis. This is the sense in which you're just moving it out, moving it through and trying to let go of as much of the emotion as you might be holding as possible. And then the last, the last of the C's that I want to talk about is, is compassion. There are a lot of know-it-alls out there right now. And I think some of the drive towards feeling like people can control their information is, you know, an overreaction to the need for control. But I think what we need now more than ever is a deep sense of compassion, both for ourselves and for our fellow humans. Because all of us are a little bit scared, whether we want to admit it or not. And all of us are doing the very best we can under the conditions in which we find ourselves. So when that person on Twitter is really getting under your skin, just take a break, give them the benefit of the doubt, walk away, don't retort, don't react. Or when you yourself are a little bit snappier with your kids than you like to be, or you forget to uh, feed the parking meter as I did today and got a parking ticket for a stupid reason, just realize that you are doing the best you can with all that you're carrying. And so an extra sense of compassion, an extra sense of benefit of the doubt, just a little more gentle, a little more calm, you know, do that and wash your hands. And I think that we'll all be okay. Um, Also, you know, feel free to sit down and you can call up my kid and talk to him about physics because that's ridiculously calming to me in a way that I don't quite understand. Control what you can. Practice calm. Seek clarity and act accordingly. Practice containment around your exposure to anxiety-provoking news. And when all else fails, turn up the music super loud and exhaust yourself with a little bit of catharsis. All of these actions with a spirit of compassion because it's tough out there and we're all doing the very best that we can. So hang in there in your efforts to find that level of stability out there in a universe that is moving fast and sometimes violently. 
Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode of the podcast. In the meantime, feel free to check out zenfounder.com for lots of resources about the kinds of conversations that we have on the podcast. You can get information about working with me, about maybe joining a Zen tribe. It's sort of like a mental health boot camp for entrepreneurs. We also have lots of content on our blog, links to resources in our courses and books for sale. So check us out there and we hope to provide anything and everything that you might need to make the entrepreneurial life a little bit easier.